0: You're listening to the Iterators of the Imperium. Hi, I'm Miss, and I'm here with my co-host Ryan, and you're listening to the Iterators of the Imperium podcast, the podcast in which Ryan is the expert on Warhammer 40k, and I'm the noob trying to learn about the Warhammer universe. And uh, yeah, by the way, guys, just real quick, this is the last episode of Season 1. So, Yeah. Yeah. Celebrations time! This, I mean, this has been a, a good ride up until now, I would say. Oh yeah. But
1: uh, uh, yeah, just to throw out there, we ju- we have uh, recently passed three hundred plays as well, which is pretty cool.
0: I mean, considering that we just started from you know zero from the bottom, it's yeah, I think it's decent.
1: Yeah, we've just hit three seventeen, which is pretty great to be honest with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, you guys <laughs> rock. Let's go.
1: Hell yeah! All right, uh, Ryan. What is today's topic? Oh, um, man, as we're it today, we're continuing on from last time in the Gathering Storm series, as it's actually called. So the first mm. episode is The Fall Acadia, which we covered last time. Yes. Like I said, there are three short stories. or uh, They're short novels, I guess. But anyway, there's three books in this series that make up the entirety of it. We're going to cover the second one, but the second one is like a parallel story to the Fall Acadia. But the Fall Acadia is much more interesting <laughs> um, because the the second one, which I can't remember the name of, um, it, it takes place with a bunch of characters, which honestly, it's a good story. It is by no means a bad story, but it's a bunch of characters that you don't really know going in. And you don't really have any weight to the situation or anything like that. So, uh, while it's all very well done, very well orchestrated, and very interesting in its, in its own way, it's not... Um, it just doesn't carry the same way as the Folicadia does. It doesn't have the same urgency, no. you know? It's, it's just not as good. <laughs> and that's it. It's just it's not quite the same. Uh, so... The first thing we're going to do is we're going to cover this uh, little side story. We're we're going to like explain the important parts of it, then summarize a lot of it and kind of rally through. And then we're going to get on to the last book of it, which we're going to cover in a bit more detail. But there is a section of that that we're also going to kind of stumble over quite quickly as well. But I'll explain as and when we get to these points and yeah. why we're doing it at the points we are. Alrighty then. So we're taking a sidestep to be way before all the stuff we talked about last time to uh, the Eldar webways, right? Ooh. Into Comera, the Drukari city within the webways. Specifically, mm-hmm. we are getting to a coliseum for gladi- uh, gladi- gladiatorial combat. Ah, gladiatorial is ask- a weird word.
0: Yes, have we talked about this like briefly early on in the series? I remember with the webways for the Eldar.
1: Yeah, the I, Eldar. So first episode, I did mention this stuff because we talked about um, we talked about the Eldar and the Drukhari. So I did mention this stuff vaguely back then. But also, yeah. the episode where we covered the birth of Slanesh was all about the yeah. Eldar. So we mentioned the webway and stuff like that in there as well.
0: Hmm. It did ring a bell. It did ring a bell.
1: Yeah, so we, right. we we have talked about this a little bit, not very briefly. Yes, I not yes. a not a huge amount, um, right. but we, we have talked about it a little bit. So, Comera, the city of the Drukari within the Webway, gladiatorial combat and a coliseum. This is a big deal, right? There is like a, a title fight going on, basically, right? Mm-hmm. There, the crowd is in the millions. Right, there, there is like royalty here and stuff like that watching this <sighs> fight. It's a big deal, right? So the it's gladi-
0: a League final. Let's
1: go. That's it. The gladiator <laughs> we care about is an Eldar woman called yvrain Right, she's mm-hmm. our main character for this series. Right, she's up against Lilith Hesperax, who is like the people's champion. She's also called the Queen of Knives, so she's a big deal, right? She's looking at, at Yvrain like she's some upstart thinking she can take on the top dog. Yeah. Uh, so there are a bunch of like warm-up fights going on where they have like titled champions fighting against each other and stuff like that. They also have like tyranids and stuff <laughs> in like cages. <laughs> it's like unleashing a bull into the arena. It's a whole thing. <laughs> right? So eventually you get to the good bit, which is Yvrain, who is put in the ring against Lilith uh, Lilith Hesperx. Um, also, they unleash a Hive Tyrant, which is a gigantic Tyranid, just to, you know, get in the way. Yeah. Uh, Yvrayne ends up, like, locked in combat with this thing. It, it's relatively cool. She, like, kicks a dagger into its head, then slides under it and, like, cuts its belly open to gut it. Oh, that's badass. It's pretty cool. It is it is purely there to show you that Yvrayne is an absolute unit. <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, yeah. then Yvrain gets attacked by a lictor and Le- uh, Lady hesbrex is like "Now's my chance while well, she's fighting someone else I'll just go over and F her up so uh, <laughs> so she goes over and basically just stabs Yvrain in the stomach they, they do fight for a bit there's a bit of back and forth but it ends with a knife in her stomach and then uh, Lilith is just like well I guess I'll leave you to die because <laughs> you're bleeding out heavily <laughs> it just goes away and starts fighting other things wow <laughs> yeah so Yvrain's kind of like stumbling and trying to like hold her guts in and stuff like that and then uh, a, priestat, uh, a priestess of Morag Heg I believe it's called I, I will check this give me a second morag 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 yeah i was right um comes over and is like well i'm gonna kill you and <laughs> just tries to murder your she cuts off one of your hands and then your is like well if i'm gonna die i'm taking you with me so she like choke holds her to death <laughs> it's really funny so they both just kind of like lie there dying together on the ground and That's uh, kind of brutal and
0: kind of romantic, I don't know.
1: Yeah, honestly, it's quite sweet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Better in, in love a story than
1: uh, Twilight, at least. Yeah, in some sick, twisted way, but still. It's about as romantic <laughs> as uh, 40k gets, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, so, as they're lying, they're dying on the ground. Their bodies are consumed in a ball of intense light. Okay, But it's like, like star intensity of light. It's pretty nuts. Um, and within this, Yvrain sees need the newborn Eldar God of Death.
0: Oh, God. And that sounds... Yeah. It's
1: rough, yeah. So need looks upon Yvrain's soul laid bare and whispers daughter to her. So Yvrain has just become the prophet of a newly born Eldar God of Death. <laughs> okay yeah so i i don't know the ins and outs of it specifically i believe the whole point of it is this god has been gradually forming and her death was like the last one required to like awaken it basically to give it its first breath and uh-huh. when it did it chose her as its prophet so but she's dying yes it fixes her <laughs> because oh the, god. the god of death also <laughs> is the god of life in a way it controls oh god. death
0: I swear to God, in Warhammer 40k, there's so much Uno reversing, you know? Yeah, honestly, <laughs> there is.
1: You're right. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> like, nah. I'm going to be honest with you, right? Yvrain, as a character, as a walking Uno reverse card, you're going to see a lot of that. I mean, that's the same thing with Celestine, you know? <laughs> but that only works on Celestine. Yvrain can do it to other people. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Okay. I mean, I'm not going to question it. Let's just continue. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just, right. We're not going to get too much into what you've re- or sorry, what you need the god of death actually means for the Eldar. There's the whole thing uh, where you need now have uh, sorry, now stands to oppose Slaanesh because Slaanesh obviously eats all their souls, but mm-hmm. if you need can just recycle them back into life, then fuck you Slaanesh, I guess. <laughs> so it's a big yeah. deal. But uh so as you Stand, or as she is consumed by this ball of light and sees the god and becomes its new, you know, person, um, energy pulses start going out from her body and when they hit any of the Eldar, it withers them away to death. I don't know what it is with newborn gods and killing Eldar, but they've got a whole thing for it. <laughs> just it's keep... a recurring theme. It is, it really is. Eldar have got to learn to stop birthing gods because every time <laughs> people wither to death, <laughs> but right we're, we're gonna we're gonna move on a little bit because after like this is the important bit and then there's a lot of random nonsense goes on that's not particularly important to the point we're trying to get to with this episode but we're gonna run over a bunch of stuff in like bullet points right so <laughs> Uh, a bunch of Eldar get really pissed off because, you know, she just killed a bunch of Eldar with her weird god pulses so she goes on the run with another person from the arena, joins up with a crew of, like, like Eldar space pirates that she used to be part of uh, ends up that they can awaken their god properly if they find a set of ancient mystical swords from, like, ancient Eldar lore called the Crone Swords so they go hunting for the missing two uh, they find them on a planet in the Eye of Terror. They have to... Or, so they end up with like a big mismatched crew of weirdos. <laughs> um, and they end up like traveling through the warp and the webway and all that stuff, fighting a bunch of Harlequins, meeting a bunch of other Eldar, gaining a crew of random weirdos to their random quest for swords that may or may not exist. Uh, find the swords on a, on a planet within the Eye of Terror go there, get attacked by a greater demon of Nurgle, which kills a prince they have with him, I believe his name is Urel or Uriel, Mm -hmm. or something like that. Uh, The demon prince, or the uh, greater demon of Nurgle crushes him with a girder. Hilarious. Uh, Yvrain uses her new god powers to resurrect him. Turns out the spear he's been carrying for his entire life is one of the crone swords in disguise. That awakens. He murders the (laughs) greater demon, uh, Yvrain also resurrects a bunch of Eldar who now decide they're going to fight for the like for the new god. Mm. Uh, so they end up with like a small army going on. Uh, so they set out for Cadia through the Webways. Then Araman, Magnus' second in command, decides that he wants to go after Yvrain because his whole quest is trying to resurrect all the uh, all the thousand sons that are now just dust in their armor. So when he finds out about Yvrain's, you know, recycling dead people powers, he's like, that might come in handy. I'm going to go find her. Decides that shooting at her is the best way to try and ask for help. Uh, Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I know, I know. (laughs) I I don't quite get it either. Uh, I think I'm actually about to get to that part in the Araman books. Um, I'm I'm currently reading through his series. I'm in the third one now, which I think lines up with that. Uh, I'm very excited for it. Anyway, uh, so they get in a fight. Then at some point, Armin does like exclaim what he wants. So uh, she's like, all right, you know what? Fine, fuck you. So she uses her powers to turn a bunch of the Thousand Suns back to like being normal space brains in their armor. So they're all like, what the fuck is happening? And stop firing for a bit. And then they just punch a hole in the webway and they all get sucked out into the warp. (laughs) (laughs) so Ironman's just like well shit (laughs)
0: that's a bad time
1: yeah so that dealt with a thousand suns pretty quick Uh, they reach their destination which is the gate from the webway to a planet called Classius they emerge from the portal to a bunch of mismatched imperial freaks that have no business being together and that they're very confused but then they notice a bunch of chaos troops at their back so they're like well I guess those are the bad guys so they start fucking up all the Chaos guys. Chaos troops all run away. Um, and then everyone, including the Imperial weirdos, all retreat into the webway with Eldar. Uh, so that is our group from last time that were saved by the Eldar, just being saved from the Eldar in the Eldar storyline. <laughs> it's Yurvain's oh. big group of mismatched weirdos, now teamed up with Belisarius Call and his big group of mismatched weirdos. <laughs> so... When they all get back into the webway and they're safe from all the chaos wankers at their back, uh, they have, like, a Mexican standoff where everyone's, like, towing, like, touching their guns and stuff and, like, just ready for someone else to make the move. (laughs) So Celestine is like, all right, I guess I've got to be the one to step forward for our guys. So Celestine steps forward towards the Eldar. Um, Then a person called... uh, Melanel, who is, I believe, like, a uh, high-ranking Eldar who's with the Eldar people, steps forward as well um, from the Eldar side. And kind of to, to, to like, very obviously show respect, uh, Melanel bows to Celestine to try and, like, you know, show that they're on the same footing, in a way, to try and get past the massive distrust between humans and aliens. Um... So he, he bows to Celestine and in return, Celestine very obviously sheaths her sword and like a show of, I don't know, I guess, respect and like agreeing and then mm-hmm. bows back to the Eldar. And then the Eldar leader offers an alliance with the humans against chaos because, you know, bigger things to worry about right now. Um, And they're all on like weird prophecy quests, right? They were led there by a weird LR prophecy that this is what they were supposed to do to help You need and all that nonsense. And the rest of them are following Celestine's crazy prophecies as well. And it's all worked out so far. (laughs) Like very few people have died considering the situation. So everyone's (laughs) just kind of going with it. Um, So they join together and venture on to Celestine or venture on as the Celestinian Crusade and they move towards the realm of Ultramar. Do you know what the realm of Ultramar is? Do you remember that? Oh, I'm not too sure. So we haven't talked about any of the Primarchs in specific, so um, it's easy that you wouldn't have picked this up at some point. So you know the Ultramarines, the boys in blue, the Boy Scouts, right? Yeah. So the reason they're called the Ultramarines is because the home planet of their system is called Macrag, and the system is called Ultramar. So, right. Ultramar, you get Ultramarines. Ah, right. Uh, so their home planet is Macrag, which is where Rabote Gilliman grew up. So mm-hmm. they've got him as their Primarch. Obviously, yeah. he got his throat slit by uh, by Fulgrim about ten thousand, yeah, ten thousand years ago. But one thing at a time. So apparently, but they're yeah, all they were... they're all being I'm guided sorry. to Macrag, or to uh, Ultramar.
0: Yeah, I just gotta get the Blue Boy Scouts. Because that's the way I remember them. They're the one that, that, like, loves the law, right?
1: Yes, they they love governing correctly.
0: Yes, okay, yeah, then I'm with you, yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They like their rules, okay? Alright, from here on, we're going to be a bit more in-depth. This is, like, the proper episode details, right? This is what we're trying to get to. Mm -hmm. right? But you needed that bit to get here. Okay, so the third book actually opens with Ultramar. So... In Ultramar, there's a bunch of Chaos troops that are, like, clearing an area of a, b- a bunch of the Ultramarian auxiliary troops, so, like, normal soldiers. Um, when suddenly, a big crazy portal opens up, and they're all sent flying. And then the big squad of all our Imperial and Eldar friends run out and murder them all. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very cool opening. It would be very cinematic. Um So while they're all like standing around looking around, they realize the planet is being invaded by chaos. And then they pick up like, uh, you know, Vox, the radio transmissions. They pick up transmissions on that, that basically the whole system is in full scale invasion. Right. So they are getting totally effed up by the Black Legion, the Alpha Legion, the Iron Warriors, the Iron, uh, sorry, the Emperor's Children and more. (laughs) So they are getting totally bared down on by, like, the full brunt of chaos's might. And these guys have just walked into the middle of it. So they head to a nearby ultramarine fortress, and they're allowed in purely because they have an Inquisitor who has totally unrefusable power of doing anything they want, uh, and a living saint with them. So they're allowed into the (laughs) fortress. Uh, They find the person in charge, and Call is like, look, I've got a pact with the Lord of Ultramar. I need to see him. So they organized that because there was a bunch of, uh, like, um, what are they called? Like carrier ships coming in that were supposed to be uh, air support for the fortress. But because this takes precedent, they use them to take them to a battle cruiser that can take them to the right planet. Because they're not on the home world of... The system, they're on this random other planet and they need to get to Macrag, which is the homeworld. So they get kind of shuttled around a little bit uh, and a bunch of their guys are left behind because they can't get on the ship. So obviously they can't take an army of Eldar with them (laughs) because that'll end badly. So (laughs) only two of the Eldar are allowed to go. It's uh, Yvrain and I can't remember the name of the other person, but it's another one of like the... Oh no, I think it's the prince that's allowed to go. Um, so they, they get on the ship with all the Imperial people, uh, and then the rest of the elder go back to the webways to split up and spread the word of need, knocking on webway portals and being like, <laughs> have you heard the good word? Um, yeah. And then, um, a bunch of the Imperials are left behind as well. So they had a uh, Knights from one of the houses called Tyrannus. They're left behind because they're too big to get on the ship. And a bunch of the sisters of battle are left behind. So all of them help to defend that fortress. So the air support isn't really needed as much because they've got giant robot walkers to gun stuff out of the sky now. So they're probably cool. (laughs) So the rest of them get shuttled on um, to the strike cruiser, which takes them to McCrag. Uh, When they get there, they... Oh, there's a moment on the battle cruiser while they're being taken to McCrag. Um, where Call removes the mindshackle scarab from Grayfax, you know the thing that let uh, Trazen control her. Yeah, yeah. So Call removes that from Grayfax, and while he does it, she's like basically just staring at Celestine, and she has all in her monologue about how little she trusts her. She's like, she can clearly do a lot in battle and stuff like that, but like I've seen heresy take many tricky forms. This could just be another form. So she's like side eyeing Celestine the entire time and does not trust her.
0: But that's too bad. She's one of my favorite characters. Exactly.
1: Don't worry. They have a whole romantic moment later on. It's great.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Yeah. So they get to Ultramar, or sorry, they get to McCrag. They find it in total full scale invasion, getting bombed in like a. Getting bombed to hell, and, like, ships landing to drop off more chaos troops every ten seconds. It is a total hellscape and complete war. But they kind of need to get there. So they use, uh, like, lander shuttles to go down, and basically just dodge gunfire as they go. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, nice. They are When they arrive at, like, McCrag's main fortress, where the leader is, they meet Marnius Calgar, the Lord of Ultramar, and chapter master of the Ultramarines. Uh, they meet First Captain Agamon and Chief Librarian Tigerius and Grandmaster Valdus of the Grey Knights. You know, the dudes that are specifically designed to kill demons. So these dudes were all assembled for this apparent meeting with all these great people that have just turned up out of nowhere during a full-scale invasion. Because they thought it was something really important. <laughs> Yeah. so they do like a brief introduction thing where everyone's like who the hell are you and <laughs> they all can't explain who the hell they are because <laughs> <laughs> like most of them have no idea who Greyfax is because you've been gone for like millennia and who the fuck is Celestine <laughs> like we we can see you're a saint but who the fuck are you right so there's a lot of that going also no one seems to know who Valdis is because the gray knights are like a secret wrapped then a secret wrapped then a secret wrapped. then you'll be executed if you know about it so yeah yeah it's like the only people that know about it are in this room basically <laughs> they're like the men in black i think they like they either wipe your mind after you see them or they kill you i don't know which whichever is <laughs> faster probably so uh yeah they whole they have a whole like, brief introduction thing and then the the whole thing of the pact with the lord of ultramar comes up and marnius calgar is just like i have no idea who you are <laughs> like i have never met you before in my entire life belisarius call i have no pact with you nor do i have a pact with any other arch magos of the fucking mechanicum so what the <laughs> fuck are you doing here <laughs> And Carl's like, oh, no, you're totally right. You don't have a pact to me. I have a pact with the true Lord of Ultramar, Robote Gilliman. Remember, Gilliman approached him back when he was in charge 10,000 years ago and made him promise to to do two things for him. Yeah. This is it. The reason he has came here is to finally complete the first one, uh, which is why he's got the big walker with a big metal thing on it. (laughs) <laughs> he's been carrying it this whole time uh Ooh, nice so uh obviously claiming that pisses off all the ultramarines um and it comes down to like basically people drawing guns and stuff like that which only kind of dissipates when chief librarian Tigarius Tager- uh, tagarius tagarius whatever um explains that he's been having visions which they all know about because it helped them prepare for the chaos invasion but he believes that these guys are like the the linchpin of all the visions he's been having so he thinks they're really important so everyone's like all right okay fine we'll like hear you out because Gil- uh, call has claimed he needs to get to gilliman which obviously gilliman is, is interred in a stasis field that's you know stopping him from dying but he's not alive either he's just being held in the last moments of life by yep. a field in a big fancy temple, <laughs> right? So, uh, Car- uh, Marnius Calgar agrees to let Gilliman, uh, let him into the shrine where Gilliman is being held, only under extremely heavy guard. Of course. Naturally, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> like, that makes perfect. This is like the most reasonable thing anyone's done so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh,. So, they get to the shrine, they see Gilliman in stasis, still wounded from his battle with Ulgrim from 10,000 years ago, mm-hmm. and Call explains that he was tasked 10,000 years ago with two tasks from Gilliman, and he is here to complete the first one. He has brought with him a suit of armor, specifically designed for Gilliman, with inbuilt life support systems that can repair the damage to his body. Oh. Right? So, the Ultramarines are all, like, taken aback and kind of startled by this. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on you're saying the big man can be alive again right they're all like freaking out at the idea of just having him up and about again it's incredible they're marveling at the concept and then your pipes up and is like well see the problem is he's like mostly dead and (laughs) we kind of need my powers too to fix him so for him to come back to life he actually needs to die first oh so naturally all the ultramarines redraw their guns yeah they're like no nah, that's not gonna happen uh, the fuck are we letting some crazy alien witch touch our guy
0: <laughs>
1: um and then everyone seems to just take sides so Greyfax obviously joins up with the ultramarines and is like you're fucking right she's not touching them because heresy and then librarian tigurius is like Joining call like, no, no, I'm, I'm. vision. See, these guys are cool. I think they're cool. Thin, fr- thin fucking string to be bearing all this on, but fair enough, my dude. <laughs> like, you pack your side, and you stick with it. So, while this ho- second Mexican standoff is going on, um, a ship crashes into the roof, <laughs> great, and then a bunch of chaos troops spill out.
0: <laughs> oh, for god's sake,
1: <laughs> and then carnage ensues. Naturally, because obviously it does. Luckily, they brought extremely heavy guard to stop Call from murdering their Primarch, so they were prepared for a fight at least. But then the That's Chaos good. troops throw out these little bits of tech that set up a little teleporter area, and then a bunch of uh, more Chaos troops start teleporting in, <laughs> which very quickly evens out the battle. Oh
0: god! Yeah,
1: it's pretty bad. So Greyfax is forced in, like, to take cover a little bit into the fight due to gunfire. And while she's like covering and trying to like figure out what to do, she spots uh Evrain, Call, and Tigurius messing around with Gilliman's shrine.
0: Okay. So yeah.
1: she sees Yvrain start to like absorb energy, or life energy, from everyone that's dying in the room, because people are dying left, right, and center. So she's starting mm-hmm. to like gather it all into herself. So Greyfax is like all right, well, this can't be good, tries to charge her, thinking they're about to murder the Primarch, but then mm-hmm. one of the Chaos Speaks means starts opening fire on her with an cannon, so she has to duck again. Uh, Kalgar then notices what's going on and sees Yvrain raise her sword above Gilliman, and he's like, shit. Uh, so so he, uh, shouts to, he shouts to Tigurius to stop her, and Tigurius just, like, shakes his head, like, nope, not gonna do it, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously uh, Kalgar is raging because his chief librarians just betrayed them yeah uh, then she brings the blade down and cuts the power cables for the stasis field which fails obviously and as it does the giant machinery on a walker that Call has with him uh, opens up and engulfs Gilliman <laughs> Okay. so, so yeah. it just totally closes around him and then there's just this one red light on the front of it that everyone can see and everyone's like well fuck <laughs> but then chaos troops start pouring in more and more and the fighting gets more severe so no one really has time to worry about Carl and his bullshit because yeah. if we do we die uh so the ultra start getting pushed back by the sheer number of chaos troops which is getting larger by the second Then a bunch of Grey Knights teleport in and start kicking ass. So it kind of balances the fight again, which is really lucky. Then ten ships land full of Chaos Space Marines. And it tips the battle really badly against the good guys. Mm. So it looks like they're about to get fucked up. Uh, Kalgar gets forced to the ground by a bunch of Space Marines and gets messed up pretty bad. Celestine gets one of her arms crippled, and basically everyone's expecting to die in a few seconds. And then, the red light on the auto reliquary changes to green. And then with a hiss of air, it begins to open. And from within, clad in the armor of fate and wielding (laughs) the Emperor's flaming sword, steps Robote Gilliman.
0: Let's go! <laughs>
1: so, the room just goes into pure stunned silence, just at his presence, as he's just standing over the battlefield from the Ds's his throne was on. Yeah. And the silence is only broken when one lone Chaos Berserker charges him, and then with lightning-fast speed, Gilliman takes him in half with a sword. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. so then basically every chaos troop in the room just charges Gilliman thinking they can take him who basically just walks straight into the middle of them all and starts gutting them like they're nothing because they are <laughs> <He's> <laughs> yeah, very, compared to him yeah <laughs> he's like slash one way uses big fist gauntlet cannon to blow one's head to pieces, kick one to the ground while you're standing on him and crushing his chest, got a few more. Like it's it's another walk in the park for this guy. Yeah. (laughs) While all this is going on, uh, one of the chaos troops decides they're going to try and take down Celestine while she's distracted because she is Mm -hmm. overwhelmed by Gilliman's presence. Because you got to remember, everyone sees the Primarchs uh, as the emperor's children And they all think the Emperor's a god now, so they all think they're at least demigods. They all believe they are inflicted with godhood. So, Mm -hmm. being that she is, you know, a divine being, she's a saint, she is overwhelmed just by Gilliman's presence. So, this guy decides he's going to try and get her while she's not looking. And, unfortunately, she definitely is aware of him, because she's vaguely magic and an incredible warrior she's not going to be trumped with this moron so she nah. just uses her powers to fix her uh, dislocated arm and then just stabs him before he lands a blow on her bruh, <laughs> Celestine is OP man. Celestine is a beast uh, she then flies over the battlefield and lands next to Inquisitor Greyfax and I've got a, a little quoted conversation for you because I thought you'd be really into this bit because I know you like Celestine yeah. so uh, I erred Greyfax admitted And i will do penitence you truly are the instrument of the emperor's will vigilance is not a sin katerina celestine replies you serve him as surely as i indeed let us serve him together as true warriors of faith and then they just basically do like a back-to-back thing where they just gun chaos troops down left right and center and just murder everyone that comes near them just totally having each other's back it's incredible
0: Yeah, that sounds like a
1: sick movie scene, you know, back to back, just kicking ass. That's exactly what it is. It's all built up to this. Inquisitor Greyfax finally believes that she is what she says she is and that she's not some crazy magical heretic. And it's just a great moment where they're finally on the same page for the first time and they become a great force to be reckoned with.
0: Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah.
1: So the battle goes on with Gilliman just absolutely wrecking Chaos Marines. (laughs) Just anyone that looks at him just ends up eating their own asshole about 10 seconds later. <laughs> it's great. I mean, he's he's like, I've been asleep for so long,
0: man. I've I've been waiting for this moment to just wake up and kick ass again, you know? Nah, nah.
1: see, that's the thing, right? Gilliman is bewildered by the situation because when he woke up, Look, right, he looked over the battlefield and saw nothing he recognised because it's been like, it has went straight from dying in front of Fulgrim to this right now there is no in the middle for him because he was in stasis so oh. he has no idea oh, yeah. what's going on he doesn't recognise anyone there is a flying bent there's a half metal uh, person with a crossbow and a sword with a buckle on their hat claiming that she's in charge of the room for some reason his ultramarines don't even look the same he just recognises them as allies and you've got Belisarius Collins, probably the only person in the room he knows who they are and then there's just a bunch well, of chaos nonsense blowing holes in his roof. I mean, well, being a Primarch, he
0: can assert the situation fairly quickly, I can tell, and see who's, you know, chaos and bad. And, like
1: Yeah, he basically just went, the guys with, like, other people's flesh stapled to their armour are probably <laughs> the ones I should kill. So he just started killing the things you could obviously tell were bad. He was like, I'll deal with the rest of you later. But until then, I'm going to murder the evil ones, because I can tell, like, these are the same evil guys I was dealing with before. That part I know. I know rule one, kill those guys. (laughs) I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why they're here. I don't know why any of you are here. I get why calls here vaguely. Type to kill things. (laughs) Yeah. So, he just starts murdering everything (laughs) uh eventually he murders his way to marnius calgar who he finds on the ground like battered and broken and his like mm-hmm. armor is like half destroyed and he's bleeding heavily and he basically just checks his alive and is then like okay moving on starts c- killing all the chaos guys again now that he knows he's okay oh <laughs> and God. then luckily a bunch of uh reinforcements of Ultramarines turn up and just help them clear the area So, with the temple clear, the Chaos uh, Troop's morale is destroyed because there's a Primarch in the game again, which they really did not see coming. The Ultramarines are now getting, like, uh, messages sent all over, like, blasted from speakers all over the entire system, screaming that uh, Gilliman is in the fight again. So everyone's like, fuck yeah, let's check their asses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is great so they're now just routing the chaos troops all over the place which is awesome so gilliman heads straight for the main strategium which is like the strategic hub of their command center and when yes. he gets there right when marnius calgar left he left first captain Agamon in charge of the defenses so he's now currently acting as the leader of the ultramarine chapter right and when, when they get there, because Kalgar, uh, Kalgar is so heavily injured, he gets sent to, like, doctors, basically, to get patched back up. So Gilliman actually goes to First Captain Agamon and is like, I would like to be in charge again. Is it okay if I step in and take command of defences for now? And Agamemnon's like, Ah, yeah, whatever you want, Dad. Sure. (laughs) It's it's a really humble moment where Gilliman, like, very kindly and very humbly asks permission to take charge from the current acting officer. Because at the time, Gilliman doesn't outrank him. He's in, like... Gilliman is technically an ultramarine, he's technically the leader of ultramarines, but at the same time, this guy is also the current acting commander. If he just steps in and takes over, it might throw everything into disarray, because it's a different way of doing everything all of a sudden. Like diff- mm-hmm. Totally different orders are being thrown out. So he very like graciously asks really kindly if he can be in charge, and the guy's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So with him in charge, the defenses just get, like, the strategic genius this man wields is unfathomable and they just they start annihilating the chaos troops all over the planet and all over the system just in no time which is great um so once kind of things have a handle on the defenses are going properly and stuff a small ceremony is held to put gilliman back in charge of the ultramarines and name Mm -hmm. him as their chapter master again um and during this celestine gives him her blessing. It's like a sign of good faith and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's also like a sign from the Ecclesiarchy to the Primarch, which is obviously a big deal. They need to show support. Yeah. Um, and then he has to be brought up to date with everything that's happened since he's been gone. So for four days, he is locked in his sanctum with his like uh, his main council. So like Celestine, Call, Greyfax, um, Kalgar, stuff like that. And for four days, he's updating the ring and researching the ring and all this kind of stuff for what goes on. And there is an amazing, like, section of this book about this. And it's, like, quoted from Gilliman. Why do I live? What do you want from me? I put everything into our dream. And look at what you've done. He snarls at the tapestry. Oh, he's looking at a tapestry of the emperor as a god at this point, by the way. Um, Mm -hmm. An empire of fear, hate, and ignorance. Better we had all burned in the fires of Horace's ambition than live to see this. But as soon as he says this, he knows he's just talking about his own fears. The Ultramarines of, the, of this age had never seen the hope of triumph of the Imperium at its peak during the Great Crusade. Yet they marched forward unbowed. How can he show anything less? He knows of Call's labours, his second promise, back on Mars. There's hope for a better future for the Imperium. Too long have the Pawns of chaos meddled with our species' fate. That must end, he declares. I-, I love the whole bit about burning in the fires of Horace's ambition. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. it's a whole thing of like he's just woken up 10,000 years later, and suddenly everyone's religious reading the book of lorgar as a religious text um everyone like burns anyone that knows anything about the past every every chapter has fucking sorcerers in it and all that kind of shit and everything's just the <laughs> opposite of the imperial truth that they held before so he's like yeah, how like, the fuck did we get here and he's just yeah. disgusted by all so so he's just like at a loss for how to handle it I mean, yeah,
0: because before it was just like, you know, no religion, no magic, none of that shit, you know. Yeah, we that's the rule whole mag- one. Thing, you go, that's, like, that's like basic rules. and
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, they've totally fucked us up. He's just bewildered by it all. But so <laughs> four days pass. He comes out of his sanctum and he keeps his council close. He keeps Calgar and Tagurius and Valdus and Call and Celestine and Greyfax all on hand to discuss what they're going to do. But his plan is to use every arm of the new Imperium to take back his realm and then to bolster the Imperium as a whole, to start fighting back against Chaos. Yeah. So he's got Calgar and Tigurius as the ultramarine arm, obviously. He's going to use his legion to fight back properly, because his legion is the best organised. It's a bastion of, like, undefeatable defence, basically. So if he has that as, like, a guaranteed safe zone, it gives him an area to work out from. So he's going to work with them, Tigurius, obviously being... A librarian, so he's magic, so we can rely on him for filling him in with that kind of stuff and helping him out with that kind of stuff. Because Gilliman has no magical abilities at all. No. Uh, Voldus of the Grey Knights, obviously, they're an incredible ally to have in this kind of thing because they're made to kill demons. You call for the Mechanicum and everything he's worked on specifically for this exact reason for 10,000 years. Celestine for the uh, Ecclesiarchy and Greyfax for the Inquisitors. Right, he's got someone here that represents basically every major arm of what he needs, so he's going to yeah. use all of them as like ambassadors to do what he needs to do and to give him like a fighting edge in getting everything going again.
0: Yeah, it's a good crew.
1: Yeah, so within a month, mccrag is retaken. Right, there is no Chaos troops left on the planet after one month, and they start reinforcing the rest of the system. They start taking back all their planets. He wants the entirety of Ultramar safe, right, so that he has somewhere to work from. Uh, reinforcements begin to arrive because news spreads of Gilliman. So the Imperium starts sending troops. Space Marine chapters start turning up. Ones from other uh, legions, as well as Ultramarine successor chapters, like the Nova Marines and stuff like that, start turning up. One, because they just want to see the Primarch, and two, because they need defence. <laughs> they can of need to come and help, because Ultramar is their home base. So, <laughs> you know, you can of need to come and turn up and defend it. But basically, everyone also just wants to see the Primarch. Because... Everyone thinks he's, like, part God, which Gilliman hates, but it's a whole thing. <laughs> so, Gilliman realises he needs to go along with it, because if he doesn't, or if he fights it too much, the ecclesiarchy will turn against him and brand him a heretic against his own father, which will mean he's severely diminished for what he can do military-wise, because obviously the ecclesiarchy has a massive army and heavy governmental and societal control. <laughs> So yeah, but, he'd, like, he'd, yeah.
0: in terms of the, that, you know, reboot Gilman is, like, you know, the Emperor's son, like, surely his words are heavier than, yeah, pretty much everybody else.
1: <sighs> yes and no, right? They are, but part of that only stems from the fact that the general populace believe he is part god because he is the Emperor's son. If he, de- if he denies it too heavily and convinces people that that is the case... They won't stop believing the emperor is a god because that is that is an absolute fact of the universe to them. That is rule one to them. So whether or not he's a god, if he convinces them of not, that's fine. But the only plausible uh, realization after that to them is heretic. Oh. See, oh. that's the problem. It's that you're either on board or you're not on yeah. board. And <laughs> well, that... <laughs> It can't be like, no, I'm his son, but like, I'm not a god. I just like work for him. And they'll be like, well, who the, f- why should we give a fuck then?
0: That's a tough situation to be in. Yeah, yeah,
1: so he realizes he kind of has to go along with it. He doesn't have to claim he's a god, but he can't fight it too strongly either. So he has to kind of toe <laughs> a line with it.
0: <laughs> so he's not lying, but he's not telling the truth. Yeah. But, you know, he's actively not lying.
1: Yes. You know? <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Um, so... He kind of sees what needs to happen now, and he and his council decide, we need to go see the Emperor. So he takes his little squad of dudes to go to Terra, right? Yeah. And now the Terran Crusade begins, because the Celestinian Crusade was getting Ultramar and saving Gilliman. Yeah. Now the Terran Crusade begins. So we're going to summary this one again. It's going to be kind of bullet point-ish again, because, again, it's a traveling... <laughs> like fair enough a lot of stuff happens but it's not massively important for the overall story which is more what we're trying to get at here okay yeah so they head off they get ambushed by Magnus (laughs) while they're on their way Uh, he throws them in a warp maelstrom which they get lost in for ages (laughs) Uh, they lose more and more ships as they're lost in there because the warp's just fucking them up uh yeah. eventually they're led out by uh some crazy voice person uh it's like a seer leads them out and they eventually get out turns out it was a trap they get ambushed by red corsairs they get imprisoned uh including uh, including gillan and he also gets imprisoned they get set free by a dark angels renegade who's on board the ship with them uh they take the ship ...from the Red Corsairs... ...because Gilliman's an absolute beast... ...and unless he was trapped by warp magic like he was... ...he could have easily murdered them all with no weapon... ...which he does... (laughs) (laughs) ...so they take the Red Corsair ship... ...they continue on to Terra... ...they end up going into the web ways to do it... Uh, ...they fight a giant corn berserker... ...which is interesting... Uh, (laughs) ...corn berserkers are corn's greater demons... ...they kind of look like the Balrog from Lord of the Rings... ...giant, red, spiky, wings... You know the thing that um, Sanguinius fought at the siege? Yeah. It's one of them. Ah. Yeah. Uh, so they briefly fight one of them. Uh, eventually, they get to a point where they realize that they can't use the webway portal on Terra because if they do, it'll, again, like Magnus did, punch a hole in the Emperor's defenses. <laughs> so they can't do that. So, like, well, what's backup plan? Like, ah, there's a portal on Luna, you know, the moon <laughs> of Earth. Like... All right, close enough. Let's do that. (laughs) So they head for that portal. Uh, They get ambushed by Magnus again. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Primarch fight ensues. Gilliman on Magnus. Uh, They escape from the portal onto the surface of Luna midway through the fight. Uh, But Gilliman's dudes kind of get a bit of a running start. So the portal is in, like, a crater. So they manage to get to the edge of the crater and, like, get on the outside of it before the chaos dudes start coming through and the rubric marines of thousand suns start coming through so war ensues with that as they try to claim the crater because they can't really hold them back very well um then gilliman realizes that magnus is going to summit the crater and basically just murder everyone so he just dump tackles magnus back into the crater and just one on ones him <laughs> which is very funny it's just straight up Primarch fight um but magnus obviously has the upper hand because he's an absolute unit with demon powers and magic um because he's like a lot bigger than gilliman now because he's you know giant red chaos demon version of magnus so he's kind of kicking his ass a little bit which is funny uh but the thing is because it's so close to earth the moon and earth are both covered in a ton of like detectors for any chaos bullshit and yeah. them spilling out with the portal activated all of the alarms all across the moon and earth and basically just calls an entire armada of defense ships to this exact location. <laughs> Nice. Which, luckily, because they've got Belisarius Call there, and he's like an arch of the Mechanicum with crazy tech, he just sends very precise targeting data to the entire armada, which opens fire and bombs the crap out of the Chaos Marines very precisely. (laughs) That's good. Which really turns the tide, which is great.
0: Yeah.
1: But then you've still got the whole fight between Gilliman and Magnus going on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Magnus obviously has the upper hand because of all his magic bullshit. Luckily, do you want to know something funny that's on it? That's on uh, Luna.
0: What's uh, on Luna? Uh,
1: the base of the Sisters of Silence is there. Oh, that's You handy. know, the nuns that turn off yeah. magic.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: so yeah, a, a whole ton of them rock up and basically just circle Magnus to turn off all of his magic. So Gilliman and them just proceed to start kicking his ass.
0: <laughs> unlucky yeah like this is a bad place to
1: turn up my dude yeah. <laughs> like, you picked the wrong fucking portal to walk out of dickface <laughs> you're, in, you're in my domain now <laughs> yeah <laughs> like god if it was any other Primark they would probably still kick ass but had to be the magic one had to be on the non-magic planet god my dog is freaking out <laughs> uh so the Veil Walker, which is one of the Eldar they've kind of had on side for a bunch of this nonsense, uh, kind of sends a, a message to Gilliman psychically that's like, I got a plan for getting rid of Magnus once and for all. Or not once and for all, for now, basically. So yeah. they start enacting the plan. Gilliman and the nuns basically push Magnus back towards the portal. So they knock him back down the crater and basically just keep punching him back until he gets towards the portal. And yeah. eventually. Um, there's like a big psychic blast thing that goes on between the two Primarchs, just from them clashing so much. And they're both launched back. But the blast puts Gilliman on his ass and Magnus through the portal. And then the Veil Walker finishes a ritual and basically just cuts off that portal from the webway altogether. So it can't be reactivated anymore. It's just a total dormant portal now. But it means Magnus yeah. is now stuck on the other side in the webway. But <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, so like, cool. Problem solved. Job done. On to Earth, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, Gilliman heads for Terra to visit with the Emperor. Uh, he's the only one that's allowed to go in because no one's allowed to see the Emperor. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, right before he does go in, uh, Call runs up the steps to to the door with him and is like, like, just kind of has a chat with him about their secret magic, like, secret crazy pact that they had and he's like all right i'll go and finalize the finishing touches on mars let me know when you need me so call scampers off through the crowd of worshippers that are at the the steps up to the emperor's <laughs> palace um gilliman goes in and days pass right like like days upon days pass before gilliman re-emerges from the throne room And he immediately calls a meeting of the Council of Terra, right? The High Lords. Mm -hmm. He announces that he is resuming his role as Imperial Regent and taking up leading the entirety of the Imperium again as the actual, like, Commander in Chief. And then Uh proceeds to fire a bunch of the Lords of Terra. Why? (laughs) Because they're fucking terrible at their job. every time a new person ends up in charge and they're like good at their job they always fire a bunch of the high lords of Terra because it's just they're politicians and they're basically all out for themselves (laughs) so like when Sebastian Thor got in charge first thing he did, sack a bunch of the high lords (laughs) Like I
0: mean I should do yeah
1: even uh, the one before Sebastian Thor wasn't it, Ghosh Van Dyre got in charge, sacked a bunch of the lords, everyone does it (laughs) Like, it's it's what you do when you're suddenly in charge of something that you didn't rise up through, like, gradually. Like, um, when uh, Creed ended up in charge of Acadia, it was just like, all right, what do I do? Sack a bunch of the higher-ups that are terrible at their (laughs) jobs and promote a bunch of good people. Like, everyone does it. You, You need things to work your way. You can't have these naysayers that are just bad at their jobs. So you just sack a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So... Now with Gilliman in charge, Cadia was just the beginning, right? From Fenris, which is the uh, Space Wolf homeworld, to Armageddon, to Attila, to Balor, right? Chaos was everywhere in greater numbers than had been seen ever before, right? There were chaos troops everywhere, right? So the threat was larger than ever. Gilliman had plans, right? Now that he's in charge, things are going to start going the right way again. We're going to start fixing Uh some of these problems, right? New armies would be raised of a scale never seen since the Great Crusade. right? And Mm -hmm. from calls forges on Mars comes new hope. The second promise to Gilliman is basically the entire hope of the Imperium at this point. So that is the end of the gathering storm. That is where it leads up to. Yeah. So... As it stands in our current day, Gilliman is running the Imperium again. Uh He is the only loyal Primarch to have came back to life. There is murmurings, I believe, in some of the books that basically Lionel Johnson, the leader of the Dark Angels, is still alive. He's just waiting for a dramatic enough moment to turn up um i haven't got to those books yet unfortunately i'm trying to find which one it's in that you find that out but i think i'm gonna basically just have to read my way through all of the dark angels books post heresy to figure that one out it'll probably just be buried in one of them uh but i've got some aftermath stuff for us here just to kind of give you a bit of a rundown of some of the stuff um because there's there's a bunch of there's a whole load of stuff that goes on after gilliman comes back uh, he starts a thing called the Indominus Crusade, which is his whole crusade with his new troops to go and kind of take back some of the Imperium from Chaos and bolster it all to get everything up and running properly and give everyone a bit of breathing space. Um, yeah. Make things defensible again, basically, rather than just waiting for Chaos to come and kill your planet. Um, and also, he does a whole thing with trying to like take back Ultramar first before he goes out and sets on any other major goals. Um, so... The Imperium is now cut in two by the Cicatrix Maledictum. So after that, terror expanded, it grew in tear across the entire galaxy. So Mm -hmm. the galaxy is actually split in half by this. So Gilliman, as Imperial Regent, is basically acting as commander on one side, and he's essentially deputized the Blood Angels chapter master Dante as acting commander on the other side, because someone needs to be in charge. Yeah. (laughs) Right? um belisarius call rolls out his new invention that he's been working on for ten thousand years the primaris marines they are Wait, what is that they are space marines that he has modified right oh. they are larger than the typical firstborn space marines typically uh-huh. standing at eight to ten feet tall now
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, they have extra implanted organs as well. They have two or three extra organs, I believe. One of which is the Belisarian Furnace. He did name it after himself. He's quite a pop asshole. Um, <laughs> the Belisarian Furnace basically kicks their ability to heal themselves into, like, hyper, ultra-mega overdrive. So, like, Wolverine again, right? Yeah, internally. but, like... You know Wolverine in the Wolverine movie, as opposed to the rest of the time, where he gets nuked and just regrows everything. Yeah. It's like that now. Oh, so the power and steroids, right? Yeah, <laughs> aye, that's exactly <laughs> it. So this thing kicks their healing factor that's already in overdrive into super overdrive. Alright then. Yeah. So the new ultramarines are bigger, stronger, faster, possibly smarter. I believe they are kinda smarter. Um they have new weaponry and with the new organs just with the Belisarian Furnace alone, they will live longer and be much harder to kill. Oh, that must be nice. Yeah. So these guys were Gilliman's new hope because he can use them to bolster all the numbers of the Space Marine chapters. Because yeah. for the last 10,000 years, Call wasn't just trying to perfect the process of making them and invent the new technology. No, no. He was making a reserve of them and training them with, like, hypnotic brain downloads so they come out of like stasis as fully grown fully trained marines ready for war they don't have as much actual combat experience but they know combat strategy and their body has the reflexes to put in action properly yeah
0: yeah they're probably at that really quick
1: exactly yeah so they come out already as like fully fledged ready to fight space marines yeah. obviously there is a bit of like uh, firstborns don't really like the new gen because they're meant to be better than them and stuff like that um, mm-hmm. there is a thing where the uh, the primaris marines are thought to not be as uh, susceptible to the genetic flaws of the other chapters like the blood angels with a red thirst and the black rage it was thought that they wouldn't succumb to them it is still possible they do seem more resistant to all the flaws though which is good um, so they're initially rolled out in what is called the Unnumbered Sons. They basically just built a legion of Primaris of all the different genetic lines of all the different Primarchs. Oh, mm-hmm. although they only made them from the loyalist Primarch gene They didn't do it with the with the Traitor ones as well. Although Carl is adamant, there would be no flaw in it. It would like the, the Space Marines wouldn't be any more likely to turn evil. But Gilliman's like, nope, just do the Loyalist ones, please. So yeah. of all the Loyalist uh, chapters, there are now Primaris, Marines. But yeah, they were all rolled out as one group called the Unnumbered Sons that were then used for different missions to give them combat experience, stuff like that. And then after the, or once the Indomitus Crusade, which Gilliman used them massively as like a vanguard spearhead kind of thing to get a lot of it done and like really progress a lot and take back Ultramar heavily um well these brand new ready to fight tank units basically uh they then get split up into their actual legions chapters so they do go back to their actual people which is good they do get to be with their own yeah there's a bunch of storylines that go on at this point as well so like you've got a storyline that's about uh gilliman at this point um there's a couple of them. there's one called uh, is it dawn of war or dawn of fire Uh, which focus on, like, the Dominus Crusade and stuff like that. I believe the first one's called Avenging Son, because that's what everyone calls Gilliman, the avenging son of the Emperor. Um, And then there's another set that's like a trilogy where Mortarion, who obviously now works for Nurgle and is his demon Primarch, just decides he's going to take over Ultramar and just kill Gilliman once and for all. Uh, we will do that storyline at some point because it's really cool and it gets really into gilliman now as a leader but there is a really fun part in it that i have to mention so yeah because of uh, everything's happened with religion taking over and stuff like that there are specifically set out orders of imperial governance designed to redact the truth of history by burning books and, stuff and censoring stuff so Gilliman finds this out and basically sets up an order called the Historators, and their job is to go out and set up or and find information to build an accurate calendar of the events of the past, to actually mm-hmm. fill in the blanks of what has happened when and where and how and so on, and build an yeah. accurate history of the Imperium for the last ten thousand years because there isn't one because there's a point where Gilliman sits down at his desk and he's looking over his desk and he's got a bunch of calendars in front of him and he's like, these are all active used, like currently used calendars within the Imperium. There is like seven of them and they're all totally different. No wonder no one knows what the fuck is going on. No one even knows what year (laughs) it is. (laughs) It's so funny. Uh, It's like a really good way to explain like any retconning that's went on with a... with Games Workshop rewriting storylines, so, like, there is is two 13th Black Crusades. <laughs> but, yeah, I know, <laughs> it's a whole thing, right? But this, it now makes sense that there were two, because basically just no one remembered the first one happened, or they don't know when it happened. <laughs> it's a whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, but they filled in a lot of gaps just by having Gilliman and sitting there bewildered at the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> it's also just very funny. Uh, and then there's a whole other storyline where on like the other side of the uh, tear in the galaxy about the Blood Angels. So you get like how Dante became who he is, like how he became the Chapter Master and him growing up and becoming a marine and all that kind of stuff. And then. Yeah. Tyranids messing up their side of the galaxy real bad and him and the blood angels trying to take on the tyranids which is a whole thing in itself because they're just as bad as chaos. <laughs> uh and just as a side thing, right? So Abaddon's main goal was to destroy Cadia because he knew that doing it would open up the eye terror properly into a massive tear and allow chaos to infect the galaxy more, right? Yeah. Because yeah. That larger the hole in the middle of the galaxy, the more the warp can spill out, making the reach of the gods of chaos much larger, right? Yeah. So they now have much more influence on the world, and it's had a couple extra effects that I don't think Abaddon really planned for. Because <laughs> one of, one of them is that with the warp being so much more accessible, all the psychers are a lot stronger now, and while that benefits chaos because of ben because uh, of Uh, chaos psychers all the human and space marine ones are much stronger now too yeah (laughs) right so that one kind of balanced out which is lucky right but there's a couple added effects that uh, the Abaddon obviously didn't know were going to happen which are hilarious and it's stuff like you know when someone dies their soul just goes back into the warp right Unless you're an Eldar, in which case it goes into Slaanesh's stomach. But (laughs) um, usually they then recycle in some way, right? But certain ones obviously just linger for a really long time. Like, I assume it's based on either pure random chance or on, like, the power of the soul, I guess. Like, if you're a crazy strong psyker and you die, I reckon your soul's got enough to hold on for a while, right? Yeah. Now, what about a dead Primarch? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Because, I mean, we're going to get into it because we're going to cover Dante's storyline at some point, right? But. uh, he died or he almost dies at the hands of the tyranids in his storyline and basically Sanguinius appears before him when he's in like a catatonic death state and basically is just like nope back in your body got more work for you and just like pushes him back in <laughs> and he just gets back up and he's like oh god why can't i die <laughs> so like primarchs are back in the game Let's go! Right? So, there's been a couple other effects of it. Oh, and one more thing that I need to mention about the Primaris, right? Belisarius Call develops a, a, a way of... A surgery. Let's, let's go with that. A surgery, right? Which is given the name the Rubicon Primaris, right? And to cross the Rubicon Primaris means for a firstborn space marine, so the originals... To undergo surgery to be given the extra organs of the Primaris. So their, bro- their body then grows to the size of a Primaris and they adapt to have the new organs. So they become a Primaris Marine, even though they're like an 8,000 year old Space Marine. Yeah. Which is awesome because it means guys like, I don't know. Chapter Master Dante, for example, could become rejuvenated and live on to lead his side of the galaxy properly, even though he's really old at this point. But also, just your everyday run-of-the-mill space marine can get an upgrade and then just keep taking the fight to chaos.
0: I mean, yeah, on Dante, for for that matter, like if he get the gets the operation, like his life exp- expands further, so he's like young
1: again. Basically, right? yeah, he would be revitalized. Yeah. Because there's a whole thing in his books where he spends a lot of it realising he is aged. um, And then he toys with the idea of going through the Rubicon. Uh, Within the books, he hasn't actually done it yet. But I believe it's rapidly up and coming. But we'll get into it when we do his storyline, because it's really interesting. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, so stuff like that. Even like your oldest and best of the firstborn space marines can undergo this surgery and stay the best and the oldest, but be revitalized to keep taking the fight to chaos, which is incredible. Ah, that's cool. Oh, man. So that's us. That's us up to date as far as we can reasonably do. We're at a point now where we could basically talk about any random book or any random topic, and you wouldn't be lost now, no matter what yeah. age it was from. We could talk about, uh, I don't know, uh, Gazkul Thraka, Prophet of the Wa, which is one of the Orc books. And fair enough, it's, a, it's a, we haven't talked about Orcs much, but you're not going to be lost with timing or anything like that. You'll, get, you'll know who he's fighting. You'll understand the importance of it. Or Damn. we could read some of the books from The Rise of the Beast, and you would still know what was going on, because you know about the War of the Beast. Or yeah. we could do Dante's storyline, or we could do the Plague War, which is Mortarion versus Gilliman in the New Age. You know what I mean? There's, We could basically pick any random spot and just pile in, and you wouldn't be lost now, which is great. Yeah, This is what we wanted to do. This is an excellent point to move on from, to start talking about some specific stuff. Mm-hmm. So... We do need to see what our next season is going to be about. And we Ooh. have decided, we decided this a little while ago, we are going to do it with a spin the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh. give me one, I'll share my screen to Mez. So you can... Oh, wait, are we doing it now? Oh, I... We're doing it now. Oh, God, no, not this one. Sorry, I accidentally spun it. I didn't realize clicking on the page spins it. Ah! <gasps> we're not taking that one, Mez. Don't get too excited. No! ah uh. Shit! <laughs> Oh,
0: right, I saw, I saw. I know. I'm not going to say it's a, a, a podcast, but... You know I know, what? I need
1: to add that back in. <laughs> <I> accidentally, <laughs> I accidentally hit remove. There we go. All right, all right, all right. Right. So, before we do this, just to let you guys know. So, this is going to pick the topic for our next season, and we are going to try to stick to it, but it's not an overly rigid thing, right? So, for example, if a new thing pops up in the 40k storyline and it is something we would like to talk about sooner rather than later because it's kind of time sensitive and it doesn't particularly fit the season it's not something that we're going to be like oh no we have to fit to the season we may once in a while do an episode that's out of theme purely because of a particular uh urgency to it or a particular interest yeah just a couple odd topics once in a while might just be a thing we do you know Um, But they're going to be a guideline for the next season. Like this one has been a general overview of like main storyline high points to get you kind of up to date. These are also going to be a main guideline. Uh, But what we have on the the roster, these will be expanded upon. Every time we do this, we'll have added new things to it and removed the one we've already done. Um, Or some might come back in as we discover more possible uh, things within that category. But, first of all, we have the Loyal Legions and their Primarchs, which we would get an episode on the Primarch and an episode on the Legion. Uh, we have the same for Traitors, so, we, you know, Traitor Primarchs, Traitor Legions. Then we have major Loyal characters, so we talk about guys like Mar- uh, Marnius Calgar, stuff like that, uh, Sven Bloodcaller, Bloodhell? I don't know, there's a lot of Sven Blood somethings. Mm-hmm. Um then we have major traitor characters. So we talk about guys like Araman or um, Fabius Bile. Uh, we have major Xenos characters. Talk about people like Gaskul Thraka of the Orcs or in the Infinite. Some of the Necron guys. We'll get some Eldar in there too. Uh, Space Marine chapters where we would go through a bunch of the chapters that exist and just kind of get the story on a few of them that exist. Because a bunch of them are really interesting. But a lot of them have a really cool storyline attached to them. Um we have the curse 21st, which is our silly one for this one. I wanted to have one that was kind of stupid so we could have a really fun season. Uh, <laughs> so curse 21st is in there. It might be better if that lands later on, but if it lands this time, we'll embrace it uh just to fail on wonders I've mentioned it before, but the curse 21st was the 21st founding of Space Marine chapters and basically every one of them went horribly wrong and are all just terrible, but they all have really interesting storylines because of it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. it's more of like fluff but it's funny <laughs> it's funny yeah. and it's interesting so that's there and then our final one is just generally xenos where we would get into a bunch of different interesting storylines for different uh for all the different xenos groups so we would spend one where we kind of focus on each individually where we'd be like all right we're going to get into how the necrons work as an overall group a bit and we spend some time on that and then same with the eldar same with the terranids same with the orcs same with a Tau. Yep. And then we yep. would probably start expanding on some of those a bit by going into more like in-depth parts of their actual storylines. Yeah. So I think it's time.
0: I think it's time to leave it up to faith in a wheel of names. So, Ryan, spin the wheel. And it's going, and it's going, and it's landing on... S- Oy, space, space Marine chapters. chapters! Let's go! That's a good one. It that is be. a good
1: one, because it's not too distant from where we already are. Yeah. Which which is nice. Um, it's, that's good. It's, 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 it's going to fill in some blanks, you know? But it just kind of expands the current universe a bit more, because the chapters only came into existence in the kind of more recent section of it, I guess. Oh God, I spawned it again, by accident. <laughs> I hate that. So every time I click on this page, it spins. So we are going to be taking a break for a little while to get prepped and work on some stuff. There will hopefully be some stuff in the middle. I have some kind of side projects of what to work on for this. And with season two uh, starting up, we will, be, uh, we will be opening up a Discord server for all our fans. And we will be opening up a Patreon if anyone wants to support us. But we will have that all launch with Season 2 starring. Yeah. And until until then, I guess. <laughs> Would you like to sign us off for the last time this season, Miz? Well, I can. Uh, I will
0: say, first of all, Ryan, it's been a pleasure for the first season. I'm looking forward to Season 2, and I hope uh, the listeners are, are as well. And uh, yeah, it, it's actually been like getting me into Warhammer. Uh, if you noticed, I, I've I scouted around my city. Some stores have Warhammer. I send it to you. I, I, I've been getting more into it now.
1: Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, up, right? Yeah,
0: it's a good, some good stories. So I've been, I've been enjoying this, and I'm looking forward to season two. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for for listening in. Tune in to season two soon. And uh, yeah, we will hear you in the next one. See you. Bye, guys.